the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. RN News. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park and 910 WTWD Plant City. It's time for Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. So purity doesn't come easy, and that's why both Jesus and Paul use such violent uh, language to describe dealing with the sins of sensuality. Pluck out your eye, cut off your hand, execute the members of your body. In other words, cut out from your life everything and anything, uh, regardless of the pain and tears that would hinder your purity. Just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Cut it off and cut it out. Clearly, Jesus and Paul did not intend us to mutilate ourselves in an effort to be morally pure. As Pastor Steve said in our last class, that would just lead to lots of one-eyed, one-handed, immoral people. But they used the hyperbole to stress the importance of moral purity. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class of the year taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. In our last class on the battle for holiness, Pastor Steve started to give us a list of tools we can use to help us live holy lives. Most churchgoers today would be appalled at the idea of asking each other intensely personal questions. But Chuck Swindoll has seven questions that he and a group of pastors ask each other periodically, and other people use these questions too. They are, have you been with a woman anywhere this week that might be seen as compromising? Have any of your financial dealings lacked integrity? Have you exposed yourself to any sexually explicit material? Have you spent adequate time in Bible study and prayer? Have you given priority time to your family? Have you fulfilled the mandates of your calling? Have you just lied to me? Those are pretty intense questions, but they are also a great tool in helping us to be more Christ-like. Here's Pastor Steve now to tell us about all six tools, as well as to discuss why holiness is so important. Just recently, my, my family and I uh, turned on a uh, television program, didn't know anything about it. In fact, I, I don't even remember the name of it. In fact, I tell you, I'm not going to watch it again. Because in this program, which I want you to know, some of the lines were funny. Funny. Some of the things were funny. Some of the things were enjoyable uh, to, to listen to. And it wasn't, wasn't wrong. But in the course of the program, as Michelle and I talked about it later and thought about it, uh, these are some of the things in this, this sitcom. A prime time, I, I don't remember what, what night it was, and that's good. Uh, woman found her husband unfaithful, and there was a big joke about that because she found some of the uh, other woman's clothes in the car. And, and all these things, by the way, what I'm, what I'm telling you, there was a joke about it. Homosexuality was spoken of, and, and everybody laughed. Uh, a man's reproductive organs was, was joked about. Uh, immorality with other women joked about, all in the context of laughing. You see what happens? You, you listen to that enough and you become callous to that. We're not shamed by that because it's presented within the context of something that's really funny. But I think what Paul said applies here. Make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. 
You spend hours listening to that stuff and the strength of your commitment to Christ is just weakened. True story, I heard about a man who uh, has his wife go through Time magazine first before he looks at it. And, w- and the reason she does is she cuts out any photos that would be lust stimulators. You say, Time magazine? Absolutely. you got a problem in this area and, and all of us struggle with it, that's not a bad thing to do. So guard your heart. First thing is maintain a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. Fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You walk with him, you'll hate this stuff. Secondly, guard your heart. Make sure you're thinking on the right things. Number three, recognize that you have certain points of, of weakness, certain, certain times uh, of the day, of the month, when, when you're weak. When are you more susceptible to temptation? Well, probably when you're tired, when you're discouraged. So what you need to do is recognize this. Be realistic about this. Know that you need more dependency on the Lord at that point. Uh, understand your weakness. Understand what you're going through. Uh, don't be taken by surprise. Understand there are certain times when we're weakest. Certain times when we're more susceptible to temptation and sin. Number four, if you are married, make sure you aren't alone with another woman. I think that's very important. Make sure you're not alone with another woman. Say, well, this is, this is impossible impossible in in my job situation then what you do is you phone your wife and tell her where you are who you're with and the situation and when you'll be home that's what you do you you build some hedges around yourself don't be a fool you say wait a minute are are you saying you don't trust me that's exactly what i'm saying it's exactly i don't trust the flesh i don't trust myself when you understand the depravity of, of man, you understand your wicked, sinful heart, it's naive to say, you don't trust me. That's right. I don't think you necessarily have the, the intention to do anything because you're a believer in Christ. But there are many people who have fallen who had no intentions to fall. Be careful also in the way that you might praise a woman Men, don't don't uh, praise something about her person. You want to praise her, say something about her clothes, her hairstyle, not her person. That that leads to the wrong the wrong messages that you're sending out. So that's very careful. That's very important. Be careful not to be alone, another woman, not to be in a compromising situation. Number five, be committed. Be committed to your spouse. Work on your marriage. People have healthy marriages. Don't have major problems in this area. People who don't have healthy marriages can have major problems because they're they're not satisfied with their marriage partner. Work on your marriage. How do you work on it? Well, we said this a long time ago in, in messages on the biblical family. Honesty. Communicate. Talk about problems. Resolve issues. Every couple has conflicts. Good marriages have conflicts that are resolved. Bad marriages have conflicts that don't get resolved. They just build and build and build. The Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger. So deal with problems every day. Talk about them. Don't clam up and don't explode in anger. Speaking the truth in love, Paul said, resolve these conflicts. That doesn't matter if you've just been married or if you've been married for 50 years. That's just a basic principle of scripture so work on honest communication love doing things for the other person expressing your love uh, sensitivity be alert to your spouse's needs be alert to the things that 
that would uh, uh, make them more appreciated and know that you that you love them. So be committed to your spouse. And number six, and I think this is vital. This is critical. Be accountable to another Christian. Be accountable. All the one another passages in the New Testament lead us to believe that that the word of God teaches accountability. As iron sharpens iron, Proverbs says, so another man sharpens another man. Be accountable to somebody. Have somebody who on a regular basis says to you, how are you doing with your purity? How are you doing with your thought life? And you say to them, how are you doing? And they, and you both interact and communicate and saying, hey, I'm having struggles in this area. Hey, pray for me. I'm going on a trip. Pray that I don't turn on the wrong cable stations in my hotel room. Pray for my purity. And then when you get together, how are you doing? Or you give them a call. I mean, this is accountability. This is accountability. You'll think twice about what you do when you know that there's somebody you have to answer to. This is one reason why when I uh, have premarital counseling with, with couples that I marry from our church, uh, I ask them just about every time, I ask them, so how are, when we get together, so how are you doing on your purity? Because I know that I want them to think twice about that, and I, I want them to think, if we fall, we have to, if we're honest, in shame and humiliation, tell our pastor that we've fallen. I want them to think about that. I want them to be embarrassed and shamed so much so that it will prevent them from doing anything wrong. So those are some of the things that you, you need to do. I hope you wrote them down. Those are important. So purity doesn't come easy, and that's why both Jesus and Paul use such violent uh, language to describe dealing with the sins of sensuality. Pluck out your eye. Cut off your hand. Execute the members of your body. In other words, cut out from your life everything and anything, uh, regardless of the pain and tears that would hinder your purity. Just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Cut it off and cut it out. That's what he's saying. Now, you may, you may wonder why. Why is this so important? So, so, what if I, so what if I fall? I can confess my sin. And I doubt if somebody has, who has an attitude like that really understands the holiness of God and really understands what the Christian life is about. But, but why should you uh, lead a life of purity? Why is it so important? After all, nobody else in our society thinks about this. Christians are the only ones who really think about this who really seem to struggle with this. Everybody else just gives into it. Why? Let me give you two reasons why Paul says to put sin to death and be pure. First reason has to do with who God is, God's character. Second reason has to do with who we are, our character. Number one is found in verse six. It's God's character. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. It is because of such sins, as Paul has mentioned, and, and others, obviously, that God's wrath will be poured out on people. Now, what is God's wrath? In, in this context, it is the coming judgment of God upon those who are, uh, are not believers. It is judgment. Uh, wrath is God's righteous indignation, his settled anger against sin. That's his wrath. In Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 2, verse 5, the apostle says, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. It's, it's judgment. Ephesians chapter 5. I read this before, but I'm going to take it a little further. Ephesians 5, verse 3. Do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness or silly talk 
or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Don't even talk about this stuff. Don't do it. Don't talk about it. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. He's talking about somebody who says they know Christ, but they live a habitual lifestyle of impurity. Paul says, don't don't be deceived. Nobody really knows the Lord who continues like this without repentance. Let no one deceive you. That's why he says this in verse six. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Let nobody tell you, but I was was saved when I was 10 years old. But yeah, but you live like this. Yeah, but I walked an aisle. You don't understand. I prayed a sinner's prayer. Yeah, but but there obviously has not been regeneration in your heart because you continue like this. That's what he's saying. Verse seven. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So the the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience because of these sins. But someone may say, but I'm a believer. I've been delivered from the wrath of God. I don't have to fear judgment. Exactly. Exactly. You don't have to fear judgment. And you have been delivered from the wrath to come. That is precisely why you must not practice these sins of sensuality. This is the behavior that God hates. But you aren't a child of wrath anymore, but a child of God. And a child of God has as his ambition to please God. He is concerned about the holiness and the character of God. That's Paul's point. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes. You've been delivered from the wrath of God. So you don't do this stuff anymore. You know, you and I, if we're children of God, will never face the wrath of God for these kinds of sins, but we will face the discipline of God. In First Thessalonians chapter four, Paul says God is the avenger of those who do who who defraud their their brother. You will face the 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 hand, the mighty hand of God's discipline. He'll not let you get away with this. He'll scourge you. He'll beat you. Won't send you to hell, but he'll beat you. Reason number two. First reason is, why do you stay away from this stuff? Because God hates it. His wrath is coming because of of this stuff. Reason number two, not only who God is, but who you are. Verse seven. And in them, you also once walked when you were living in them. This is the sort of wicked behavior that characterizes the life of unbelievers. You've been changed. You've been given a new life. You're no longer like this. And and you might say, but I didn't participate in this. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't. Many of us didn't. You didn't personally participate in these things. Some of us did. But that's the atmosphere you walked in. That's what Paul is saying. You didn't. Maybe you didn't personally do this, but you walked in this atmosphere. This was your realm. And you walked like this because you were once a child of wrath. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when you were dead in your transgressions, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. What he's saying is you were once a child of wrath. You did this kind of stuff, but now you've been saved. You've been delivered. Why would you ever want to go back to this? 
Once you've had a taste of richness, why would you go back to poverty? That's what he's saying. Why would you commit these sins of sensuality when that's what you did before coming to Christ? You turned your life on the old, uh, you turned your back on the old way of life. Why would you want to go back to that? Christ has saved you from sin. Why do you want to go back to those sins again? Charles Spurgeon, in his devotional uh, entitled uh, Evening by Evening, asked these pertinent questions. I'll read it to you in the precise language that he talked and wrote. Christian, what hast thou to do with sin? Hath it not cost thee enough already? Burnt child, will thou play with the fire? What? When thou hast already been between the jaws of the lion, wilt thou step a second time into his den? Hast thou now not had enough of the old serpent? Did he not poison all of thy veins once? And wilt thou play upon the uh, hole of the asp and put thy hands upon the cockatrice's den a second time? Oh, be not so mad. So foolish. Did sin ever yield thee real pleasure? Didst thou find real satisfaction in it? If so, go back to the old drudgery and wear the chain again if it delighteth thee. But inasmuch as sin did never give thee what it promised to bestow, but deluded thee with lies, be not a second time snared by the old fowler. Be free and let the remembrance of thy ancient bondage forbid thee to enter the net again. Isn't that great? Hey, you once lived like this, but Christ has set you free. Why do you want to be in bondage again? Why do you want to go back to idolatry? Why do you want to go back to these things that, that were in the old way of life? You're free. See, you're new creatures in Christ. You're new. That's what he said. You've been raised with Christ. Colossians 3.1. Now live like you're raised with Christ. He's given you resurrection life. Now use that life to put to death those sins that, that tempt you and those sins that, that try to pull you into the old way of life. The battle for holiness. And you know what? This battle will continue until we're out of this body. Either by rapture or by death. Romans 8.23 speaks to this. Romans 8.23. This is, this is just ongoing and it's important. And not only this, Paul says, but we also ourselves having the first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body, your souls, your spirits, that's been redeemed. Your body's not been redeemed. And so we groan. We have the Holy Spirit within us to slay the, the, the sinful passions. To slay those things that would ensnare us. We have the Spirit of God, but we groan within ourselves because this body doesn't match the new nature. Someday it will. It will be a perfect body. It will be a new body, and it'll be a perfect match to our new nature, and then we won't be tempted anymore. We won't have sin anymore. But until then, we need to put to death the sins that, that operate through our bodies. How? Let me repeat them if you didn't get it down the first time. One, maintain a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. You desperately need that. Be in the word. Be in prayer. Obey the word. Number two, guard your heart. What you let into your mind. Be careful about what you see. Be careful about what you read. Be careful about the imaginations of the heart. 
Number three, recognize when you are weakest. Recognize those times when you're more susceptible than others. There are patterns. Number four, don't be alone where you can compromise. The flesh is, is very weak. The spirit may be willing, but the flesh is weak. Number five, be committed to your spouse. If you're married, be committed to, to her or him. It might be a good thing to go over your vows together. I know a man who did this. A man who, who is a biblical counselor, who, who uh, is so exposed to such impurity in other people's lives that, he, that he, he said to his wife, I'm committing myself afresh to you to be faithful to you. And number six, be accountable to a godly person, maybe to a few people. I'm going to be meeting with, uh, with two or three men on a, on a regular basis. And one of the reasons to do this is to hold ourselves accountable. And I, I think that's a good thing for all of us to do. Pick out a few people that you meet with to study the word. We're going to be going through a great book, Disciplines of a Godly Man, and uh, holding each other accountable. I need that. You need that. Why should we do this? Why should we go through all this trouble? Because God is holy, and he pours out his wrath on those who commit such sins and secondly, you've been delivered from that old way of life. So why go back to it? Why go back to it? Now, this is a message for believers. If you don't know Jesus Christ, this is foreign to you. You don't even have the power within you to, to want to turn from, from your sin, let alone have the power to turn from your sin. But I say this as a warning. If you are not a child of God, you are a child of wrath. And it's because of these sins, whether done externally or in your mind, that the Bible says the wrath of God will be poured out upon you. That's judgment. So I say to you that if you have never turned to Christ, you need to repent of your sin and trust him as the only way to heaven. Because it is inevitable that the judgment of God will be poured out on those who refuse to submit to Christ. Let's bow for prayer. Father, your word speaks to, to us where we are. Your word tells us, Lord, that uh, there is an ongoing battle for holiness. But your word gives us great hope that this battle can be won. And I pray for each one here, each one hearing these words, that they'll put to death those sins that operate through our bodies. I pray for our young people, for their purity. I pray for those who, who struggle especially in this area for purity. I pray for married couples, purity, regardless of what age, regardless of how long they've been married, regardless of where they, they are in their spiritual walk, I pray for purity. I pray for godliness. I, I pray for the purity of the mind. Lord, I pray for those who don't know Jesus. I pray that they would be afraid, that there would be a holy fear come upon them and that they would repent of their sin and turn to you to avoid the judgment that comes. Father, help us to take these sins, these words to heart, and to live differently, to live different in this wicked age that laughs at this stuff, that would call us archaic and old-fashioned and out of touch with, with the times. Father, I pray that, that none of us would feel that way. I pray that we would be strong and hold to the standards of Scripture. I pray for those who think that they've got this area under control, that above all else, that they would come to grips with the fact that, uh, that they're not strong, that they're weak. And those who think that they stand, uh, Lord, I pray would take heed lest they fall. 
We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I'm glad you could join us today for Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher, and we are in the midst of a study of holiness based in the third chapter of Colossians. Steve Kreloff is the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today, Pastor Steve showed us an arsenal that we can use to great advantage in our own personal battle for holiness. If you didn't get all six of the weapons written down, you can listen to or download today's class in MP3 format at our website, versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G. And if these classes have blessed you, I hope you'll investigate the link on our homepage labeled Support Us. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. If it is easier for you to follow the message all at one sitting rather than broken into radio-sized parts, you can order a CD or cassette by calling us at 727-239-0306. Roman Catholic theology distinguishes between mortal and venial sins, those sins that, if left unconfessed, will cost you your salvation versus those that will not. The Reformation rejected this notion, but it lives on to various degrees in the minds of a lot of people. Why do some sins, especially when we see someone else commit them, bother us so much more than others? John Calvin correctly said that all sin is mortal, in the sense that it deserves death. But no sin is so severe that it can destroy the grace of justification. On our next Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will deal with some specific sins and how to deal with them. Long before the pain, God was there. Long before the struggle, God was there. Someone want to ask somebody that was going through a trial, this is, where was God when the tragedy happened? The answer was the same place he was when it was all good. Faith Talk 570 and 910-WTBN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com salemnow.com